Aren't you glad for the presence of God this morning? Thank God. Appreciate the uh, special song. Appreciate the congregational singing. Oh, and that great hymn, And Can It Be. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful song. Amazing love. My chains fell off. I'm so glad for the day that Jesus Christ set me free. Glory to God. We are what we are this morning because of the grace of God. Nothing that we have of which to boast in ourselves, but we boast in the, in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah today. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to begin our reading with the first verse and read down through and including verse number 10. Give you a chance to find it. And when you have found it, would you stand please for the reading of the word this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are His workmanship. Glory be to God. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for thy presence that we sense in the morning service. We thank you for each one that has graced these pews today, but most of all, we're glad that you have come. We're asking now, Lord, that you would be pleased to help us as we endeavor to deliver this message that you've laid upon our heart. Give us, we pray, that divine anointing. Help us, we pray, to be able to convey it in a proper way, and may it penetrate every heart present here this morning. We'll praise thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, the Lord helping me, I'd like to speak to you on the subject of grace. What is grace? Well, there's a number of different meanings that people have given for grace. One person said it is the favor of God bestowed freely and selflessly to work redemptively for all sinners. 
Grace is something that cannot be measured. It cannot be regulated, called forth by rituals or ceremonies or dispensed through sacraments. But it comes from God, not from the church, and testifies to the boundlessness of His self-giving love in Christ to make it available to all and to persuade all to accept it. For us to fully understand grace this morning is really difficult, but on the other hand, we understand that it's God's love in action. It's God's love that reaches down to where man is and picks him up from a fallen state. Somebody else said, actually looking at the Greek word of grace, means a favor done without expectation of return. A favor done without expectation of return. Absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God to men. Finding its only motive in the bounty and free-heartedness of the giver. It's unearned and unmerited favor. That night, back in October 1963... When I confessed my sins to Jesus, I came as a guilty person. I wasn't trying to uh, persuade God that I wasn't guilty because that was impossible to do. But I came guilty, guilty of sin, but I'm glad for grace that went beyond all of that and the love of God was shown to me and came to me and made a change in my life, and where I've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Thank God. John, the beloved in his writing of the new relationship of God and man in Christ, is based upon the fulfillment of the promise that was given to Abraham on Mount Moriah, that God would provide the Lamb. I drew reference to this on Friday night. When I was preaching to in, in the youth service. And uh, when, Aaron, when Abraham and Isaac were on their way to the mount. And uh, Isaac looks to his dad and says, Father, we have the wood and we have the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham made a very, very wonderful, wonderful statement. And this is what he said. My son, God will provide. That word provide comes from a Hebrew word, raha, Hebrew word, raha, which means to be able to see intelligently or to be able to see in reality, to be able to hold. Uh, behold, Abraham says, son, we are going to be able to behold the sacrifice. I believe Abraham, as he was speaking to his son, was giving us a prophetic statement, looking out over the centuries of time and pointing to the time that Jesus Christ would come as the, uh, as the Savior of the world. And uh, the Scripture says that when, when Abraham was about to take the life of Isaac and God stopped him, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. That word looked comes from the same Hebrew word, which again means 
to behold. And Abraham looked behind him, and there found a ram that was caught in the thicket. And God uh, said to Abraham, he was to take that ram, and he was to slay it, and that, that ram became the sacrifice. And the scripture says that Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. I'm glad, thank God for the day that we were able to behold the Lamb of God. It was John the Beloved who said, Behold the Lamb of God that is come. Thank God it was established from the foundations of the world and has come to take away the sins of the world. Thank God. And Jehovah Jireh means my God will supply. Glory to God. I'm glad this morning that my God will supply the lamb, if you please, for every individual under the sound of my voice this morning. There's none excluded. I'm glad it's Jehovah Jireh. My God will supply. <clears throat> and Christ is that lamb of sacrifice promised by God to Abraham. Thus, he is the God-given universal sin-bearer, for sin demanded a sacrifice. We can go back to the very beginning when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve had a great start, created in the very image of God. But you know the story, how that Satan, through the serpent, beguiled Eve, and Eve looked at the fruit, and she partook of the fruit, and then she took it to Adam. And you realize the command was given to Adam. And it was Adam then that when Adam chose to partake of the fruit and eat, his eyes were opened, and he realized that he had sinned. And because of that, they hid from God. I, I, I think of that scripture when God came in the cool of the day to commune with Adam and Eve. I can hear him calling out Adam and Adam not answering. That's what happens when we're guilty. And Adam was guilty. And Adam went into hiding. And God called to Adam, where art thou? And finally, Adam had to respond. And God, of course, pronounced judgment upon Adam and upon Eve. Then the scripture says that God made for them a coat. They had taken fig leaves and tried to cover themselves because of the nakedness that they were now ashamed of. But God slew a lamb, I believe. And took from that lamb the pelt and made clothes to cover their nakedness. From the very beginning, there was blood shed as a result of sin. And all through the Old Testament, when man sinned, there always had to be another sacrifice. Every year, they had to come back year after year at the time of the atonement. And the priest had to take the blood and go into the Holy of Holies and there sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and confess the sins of the people. It was an annual exercise. But I'm glad this morning 
that Jesus Christ came to do away with the first, that he might establish, could I say, the last. He became the sacrifice. And thank God for the fact that he died on the cross and the blood that was shed avails for the whole world as a provision placing all men on salvable ground. Glory be to the Lamb of God. I'm glad that the grace of God reaches the one that has gone the farthest, the one that has done the worst, the one that has committed the most hideous crimes. I'm glad the grace of God goes that far today. This morning, I want to look at several aspects of grace. First of all, I'd like to look at prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. What does prevenient grace mean? Well, it implies the priority of God's action on behalf of needy sinners. Could I just explain that so simply? That night in October 1963, I didn't go seeking after him. He came seeking after me. He came speaking to my heart. He's the one that put me under conviction. When I was sitting in the back of the church and I was talking and not paying attention like I should have, the Holy Spirit was faithful to my heart and Jesus Christ was dealing with me and calling me to come. I wasn't seeking for Him then, but He was coming to me. Every one of us here this morning are here because of provenient grace. It was God's plan to come and call us. And thanks be to the Lamb of God for the golden text of the whole Bible. is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know one of the thrills of mine has as I was president there at Penview, one of the thrills was to be able to challenge our ministerial students, our mission students, and all of our students to take that message into the entire world. That is the message of hope. For God so loved the world, He reaches out. It's provenient grace. Thanks be to the Lamb of God this morning. I'm so glad that He came looking for us. Glory be to God. Then I notice there is saving grace. Saving grace to bring us on to Him. John said in his epistle, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brother Jeremy was sharing with me last night after the service as we stood on the porch of the parsonage for a little while and we were talking and he was talking about an individual that I don't know if it was maybe in one of his classes, at least he knew, that uh, said that there was just no way that they could live the life. But I'm glad, thank God this morning for saving grace whereby we as we confess our sins, He is able to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John went on to say, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of, of, of His Son cleanses us from all sin. I'm glad that when Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked what he might do, that he might have eternal life, the message that was given to Nicodemus was, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, thank God this morning for the fact that God's grace has made a change in our heart and has rescued us from the life of sin. Do you still remember that day? You still remember that time? Thanks be to the Lamb of God. I think of the woman caught in the act of adultery. Brought to Jesus. And the men who brought her really were not concerned about her. But they were trying to trap the master. Master? This woman was caught in the act of adultery. What shall be done to her? They knew what the law said. She was to be stoned. Jesus stoops over and he writes something in the ground. I wish I knew what he wrote. Maybe when we get to heaven we can find out. I don't know that we'll even want to know then. But he wrote something in the ground. And then when he straightened up and he looked at the accusers. He said, he of you that has not committed sin, cast the first stone. What he was really saying was, you men are guilty of the same sin. You men are guilty of the same crime. You that have not sinned, you cast the first stone. And he stoops over and he writes in the ground again. And when he straightens up, none of the accusers are there. The woman herself Jesus looks to her and says, Woman, where are thine accusers? She said, I have none. <laughs> and Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm so glad. Thank God this morning for the fact that Jesus Christ is forgiven. I told you the other night the things. Oh, no, I didn't go into detail. But the things that I got involved in as just a young person. Boy, I got saved at the age of 12. Oh, I sought the Lord before that. And the first time I think I went to the altar, I was seven years old. I thank God that children can go to an altar, by the way. Thank God. I had a minister in my home one time said, I don't believe that a child can, uh, should go to the altar. <clears throat> well, that's totally wrong. Let me tell you a story. When I was, <clears throat> my little girl was just a little girl. She was about three or four years old. My wife was working with one of the ladies of the church and they were doing some wallpapering that day. My little girl, and I was there at home with Marie and she said, Daddy, let's play church. Well, that was all right. She said, Daddy, I'll lead the singing and you do the preaching. That was fair enough. I said, okay. She got up and she began to sing those little songs, This Little Light of Mine and Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, little children's songs. And then she said, now, Daddy, I want you to preach. I preached a simple gospel message that morning. And my little girl began to cry, tears running down her cheeks. God settled in our home. I said, Marie, do you want to pray to get saved? She said, yes, Daddy. That morning, Jesus came and saved my little girl, just a little girl. 
Now, I've prayed with many a child at an altar. And I prayed with my daughter that morning. Let's fast forward now a number of years. Now, I was leaving the pastorate after 16 years, and I was going to the school as president. My daughter had just graduated from high school, and I was hiring her on to be my secretary. Our normal procedure was that all of the prospective employees would go in before the school board, and they would be interviewed by those men. And there was no exception with my daughter. And that day she came into the board meeting. She sat right alongside of me. And I looked at her and I said, Now, Marie, I want you to tell the board where you're standing spiritually. To my amazement, my little girl took them back to that experience when she was just a little child in the parsonage. She said, that's the time that Jesus saved me. And she said, I always wanted to do right from that time on. I want you to know that Jesus Christ can take a little child and change their life. We limit God, but thank God there's no limits on Him whatsoever. And when Jesus straightened up and looked at that woman and said, where are thine accusers? And she said, I have none. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm so glad this morning for saving grace. Thank God for saving grace today. Not only is there saving grace, but I'm glad for sanctifying grace. The songwriter said, I came to Jesus sick of sin. He did not fail me then. He made me new without within. He did not fail me then. I came the second time to Him for cleansing from the inbred sin. He satisfied my longing soul, or longing then, and He will not fail me now. I'm glad this morning, thank God for the cleansing. Thank God for the forgiveness, but I'm glad for the cleansing of the old nature of sin. I'm glad for sanctifying grace. <clears throat> you know, there's a change even when we're sanctified. Did you know that? Oh, no, we're no longer practicing sin when we get saved. But we had a student back a number of years ago. He came to us from another state, came as a high school student. It was a weekend when our quartet, the praise singers, were at his home church, and they were ministering there that, I think it was a Friday night. This young man was a rebellious young man, and he ran away from home, but that night he came back for that service, and after the service, he said to the PR rep that was traveling with the quartet that night, and he said, I want to go to Penview. He talked with his parents, and well, they were, they were willing because they were wanting to do anything to help their boy because he was, I mean, he, was a, he needed a lot of help. I received a phone call. They said, would you accept it? Went into the story and told me the story. Would you accept this boy? I said, well, if he wants to do what's right, 
I'll give him a chance. That boy came. The very first weekend that he came to school, Brother Jeremy, he got saved. The very first weekend. Now, God helped that boy. But did you ever deal with anybody that was ornery? That boy was one of the worst I ever had, being ornery. One night, he, we were having a special service. He caught a crippled squirrel and brought it into the service, and he was going to turn it loose. You can imagine all the shouting. People would have been blessed. My wife saw him have the squirrel, got his attention and said, you get that squirrel out of here. Now, there's a lot of other stories I could tell you. He was there for a year or two in high school, came down to graduation, and one of my, college, one of my high school teachers that we were moving from high school to college came to us and said, we don't want that boy here in college. But Brother Cooley and I saw something good in him. There was a couple others in the committee that didn't. The committee was divided, two and two, but I could overrule. And I did. That summer... He was on Interstate 81 down in the state of Virginia. I believe he fell asleep while he was traveling. And he flipped that car end over end. Had it flipped one more time, he would have been killed because he was already hanging out of the car when it stopped. He called me on the phone. He said, Brother Zekman, if you'll let me come back to school, I promise you I'll be different. I promise you I will. I said, called him a name. I said, if you want to do what's right, I'll give you a chance. But the ball's in your court. I'll bring you back, but you're going to be on probation the whole first semester. And we had a process that they could work themselves off of probation. And I said, I promise you, if you do well, I'll get you off of probation by the end of the first semester. You know what? He did well. And I could keep my promise. Before he left for Christmas, I gave him a Christmas present. I said, you're no longer on probation. When you come back second semester, you're off probation. Now, when you're on probation, you're campused, okay? And he was able to come back, and he was not going to be campused. We got into the second semester, and I don't remember if it was a regular chapel service or if it was in revival. But that young man, that young man got sanctified in that meeting. I want to tell you something. That young man changed. He changed so much. Brother Jeremy, he became an RA in the dorm. They could hardly stand it before. He became an RA in the dorm. And he graduated. He's pastoring one of the largest holiness churches, conservative holiness churches today. Do you know what made the difference? The cleansing power of the blessed Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad this morning for sanctifying power? Aren't you glad for grace? I'm so glad for grace. If we would have had our just doom, where would we be today? I notice also this morning, there's sufficient grace. And under sufficient grace, 
There's keeping grace. Jesus, as he was spending his last few hours with his disciples before his death, he prayed for his disciples. And what did he pray? He said, Father, keep them which thou hast given to me. Keep them, O God. He was ready to leave to go back to heaven. But his concern was that his disciples would be kept in the faith. Let me refer to the song that I already quoted one verse. Let me give you another. The songwriter said, When Satan tried so to draw me back, Christ did not fail me then, but kept me on the onward track and did not fail me then. While Satan tried his worst to do, my Lord was by my side, I knew. He answered prayer and took me through. He will not fail me now. I have good news for you this morning. I'm glad there's keeping grace for every one of you. In the world in which we live, where there's great temptation... And our cultures change so radically. Thank God for the fact there is keeping grace. I notice also this morning there's restoring grace. It was Peter there in the high priest's house. I had the privilege to be in that place when I made the trip to Israel. But it was Peter while there where the little damsel looked at him and said, Thou art one of them. And three times Peter denied that he knew Jesus. And when he denied the third time, his eyes turned and locked in on the eyes of Jesus. And the scripture says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Let's fast forward about three days. It was now Sunday morning when Mary and the others were making their way to the tomb and they were wondering who was going to roll away the stone. But when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. And there was a message for the ladies. And the message was what? Go tell my disciples. Go tell the disciples. But the message didn't stop at that. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Wonder why specifically the name of Peter was mentioned. I'll tell you what I believe. It was giving Peter an opportunity to be restored. It was just three days before when Peter denied the Lord. But thank God for the fact that there's restoring grace. I may be talking to somebody this morning. You may have faltered. You may have failed. You may have turned away from God. You may have done some things you know you shouldn't have done. But I have good news for you this morning. I believe the Lord is saying, and would you tell that person? And would you tell that person? Would you tell that man? Mention that name. There's restoring grace. John said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Thank God this morning for the fact he's pleading your case. He's your advocate today. By the way, there's no need for anyone to be lost. If we can get a hold of that this morning, if we can get a hold of that, if you're here this morning and you don't know that you're right with God, I want you to know there's no reason for you to stay where you're at. There's amazing grace. Thank God. And last of all this morning, there's preserving grace. 
Again, going back to Jesus' prayer in John 17, when Jesus said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. Do you know something this morning, saint of God? The best is yet to come. Did you know that? The best is yet to come. There's times that you may appear to get weary. There's times that Satan may be hopping up on your shoulders and putting all kinds of thoughts in your mind to quit. But I want you to know something. The best is yet to come. What a day that's going to be when they come from the east and the west and the north and the south. I've had the privilege to be in Papua New Guinea. I preached a revival over there three years ago. Preached to over a thousand at one time. And... Can you just imagine what it's going to be like when they come in from PNG or when they come in from, from South Africa or they come in from all the other countries of the world and we're together in heaven? What a day that's going to be. We can lay down our armor. We can say, goodbye, old devil, I'm through with you and you're defeated again. I'm glad for, for preserving grace. I've told you this revival that I had such a wonderful mother, and I did. My mother, when my father died, he died seven years before my mother died. My daddy was 88, my mother when she died was 95. But my mother in those seven years between my father's death and my mother's death, would ask me the question over and over, will I know Daddy when I get to heaven? How will I find him? If she asked me that question one time, she asked me that question scores of times. And I would tell her, now, Mother, you'll know Daddy. You'll know Daddy. Because the Bible says we, are known as, we will be known as we're known. And I said, you will know Daddy. Well, how will I find him? Oh, I said, Mother, you'll find Daddy. My mother on a Saturday morning was eating her breakfast. My brother Paul was with her. My mother was having to be taken care of. Now my mother kept a clear mind down to her death. Her physical was just wearing out. After 95 years, you can understand. And as she was eating breakfast on a Saturday morning, my mother suffered a stroke. She lost her left, the use of her left side. She lost the ability to swallow. And she lost the ability to talk. We contacted hospice because hospice had been coming in anyhow with mother. And hospice came and they said, well, the only thing we can do is keep her comfortable. That was on Saturday morning. The family came and we spent time with mother throughout the day Saturday and through the night Saturday night and all day Sunday and all night Sunday night. And this was Monday morning. It was my time to sit by the bedside of my mother. It was about 6, 6.30 in the morning. And as I, got, as I sat down, mother was in her hospital bed there in the living room of the farmhouse that was converted into a bedroom. I started talking to my mother about the grace of God. I said, Mother, isn't it wonderful to know that our sins are forgiven? 
God has been so good to us, Mom. Isn't it good to know that uh, we're ready for heaven? And as I talked with my mother, all of a sudden, my mother went, yeah, just like that. I knew she was hearing me. That was like saying, sick him to a bulldog. And I talked some more, but mother didn't respond. I got up from my place, and my brother Paul sat down next to my mother, and he began to talk to mom, and I just went into another room of the house, and my brother Paul began to talk to mother about heaven and who she's going to see. We had a brother that was killed in 1958, 21 years of age, wonderful, wonderful young man. He talked about Donald, talked about my mother's parents, the grandpa and grandma Walter, talked about some other people that mother was going to see. And very soon, and all of a sudden, and I'm, as I tell you, this is how mother did it. All of a sudden, my mother said, hey, dad, just like that. I was in another part of the house. I heard her say that. My brother said, mother, did you just see daddy? And mother didn't respond. She didn't tell us. But I believe she did. The questions that she had asked me for seven years, God answered that. And she let us know that God answered it. I want you to know something this morning, people. The best is yet to come. And God's grace is preserving grace to keep us until He bears us safely over to heaven above. This morning... If you're right with God, I believe we need to rejoice. But if you're not right with God this morning, you can be. And I close with this story. I'd like our sister, would you come to the piano, please? Prepare to, for us to sing Amazing Grace. A girl that I went to high school with many years ago in the public school was traveling with two neighbor girls. They were in a pickup truck. Something happened. She lost control of the truck and struck a bridge abutment just a few miles from where I lived. The impact was so great it killed the two girls that were neighbors of hers. This lady, this young lady's name who was driving the truck, her name was Orpha. Orpha, as a result of that accident, just went from bad to worse. Her life became filled with bitterness. Her life became filled with I don't know what all. Because there was a time that my wife was praying with her at the altar. And she said to my wife, she said, Martha, she said, there's no way that I will ever confess. I, I, I can't get right with God because there's something I have to confess. And I can't confess it. I can't confess it. Martha said, oh, Orpha, it'll be worth it if you will. She said, I can't. But some time passed, and God the Holy Ghost was faithful. And Orpha got to the place she got so sick of her sin until she was willing to do anything God wanted her to do and did it, and the Lord forgave her of every sin. She went from being one of the worst ladies you could ever find to one of the best. She would set in the services right there at Mountain Road. 
They would be singing a special song or the preacher would be preaching and her hand would go up like this and she was saying, praise God. She'd be in the camp meeting there on campus at Penns Creek Camp and she was a live wire. She was praising God. No, she wasn't physically able to get up and do much in the aisles, but she could sit there and praise God. She came down to the point of death and as she was leaving this world, she was praising God. Thank God for amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This morning, I don't know where you stand. But if you're here and you're not right with God, God's amazing grace is extended to you. I want us to stand. I want us to turn to page number 85. And I want us to sing this this morning. But this altar is open for you. I don't want to see a one lost. I don't want to see a one miss heaven this morning. You don't have to miss heaven today. You can make it by the grace of God. It's not in what you do in yourself. But it's His amazing grace that makes the change. And this morning, he's wanting to do it for you. Father, I pray that you'll help us these next few moments. You know, everyone that's here today, I'm asking, oh God, that thou would speak to their heart and draw them to yourself, oh God. Help them, I pray, to grasp this today, that your grace is available for them. Do it, we ask in Jesus' name. I want us to sing together, page number 85. Join in, please. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Won't you come this morning? God, the Holy Ghost is wanting to help you this morning. He's wanting to give you victory. Sing the next verse, please. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. <clears throat> grace, my fears relieved. Oh, for you this morning Jesus died. For you he went to the cross. For you he became the sacrifice. For you he shed his blood. Are you coming this morning? Are you coming today? Get settled spiritually. Would you sing the third, the fourth verse? Verse four. Dangers, toils, and snares. Are you coming this morning? Are you coming today? And grace will lead me home. Before we sing this last verse together, I still feel that God is speaking to some heart today. God laid this message in my heart a couple of days ago for this morning's service. And I believe that God is wanting to bring somebody into the fold. God's wanting to bring somebody into the fold this morning. 
You may be that 100th sheep that's out there on the hillside and 99 are safe within the fold. But you know what the shepherd did? He left the 90 and 9. He went out there to seek for that 100th. And I believe this morning he's seeking for you. He's seeking for you. He's seeking this morning. He wants to help you. Young person, come and give your heart to Jesus. Let him change your life as a young person. It'll be the, it'll be the, 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 the changing of your life. It'll change your future. It'll change what your future could be. I thank God for the change he made in my heart. I'm so embarrassed of the things that I did as a 12, 11 and 12 year old. But I'm glad for the grace of God that changed the story. Thank God. We're going to sing this last verse together. But I'm admonishing you to come this morning. Give your heart to Jesus. Get settled this morning and let Jesus have control of your life. Sing that last verse together. When we've been there Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? He wants to help you this morning. He wants to forgive you this morning. He wants to change your life. Thank God for this one. Who else this morning? <clears throat> Sing that verse one more time, please. God is still dealing. God's still speaking today. And I believe He's speaking for you. He's calling you this morning. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Come. Come. Give your life to Jesus. He wants to make you anew this morning. He wants to forgive you every sin. He wants to change your life. No more singing, but just play softly, please, with our heads bowed as we just tarry. I wonder if there's someone this morning who would like to slip up a hand for prayer and say, Would you pray for me, please? I know that I need God. I know that I need to be forgiven. I need Him today. And I want you to pray for me. I promise you, I will pray for you. Is there someone like that this morning? Slip up a hand for prayer. Just put it up and down quickly. But it'll let us know and it'll let you know even more that you're concerned about yourself. Is there one who would do that this morning? While we tarry. While we tarry. Just play it through one more time. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. I'm giving you an opportunity. Somebody said that hell is paved with good intentions and you're saying someday, sometime I will. But today is the day of salvation. It's today that we need to do something about ourselves. Are you coming? Are you coming?